Well, I'm thankful to be here this evening, and uh, it works out pretty good. I think all the chairs are taken. Well, we got one empty seat, I guess, and then we'll start the second row. So, anyway. The, the subject at hand tonight is uh, to help all of you that are parents and grandparents or prospective parents and prospective grandparents um, or even a, a, uh, um, a single person who recognizes that we live in a, on a planet with children um, and that there is a part for all of us in the body of Christ to help train and disciple the next generation. That's a long way to say that's what we're going to focus on here tonight. <laughs> Um, so you, I trust you've got a handout, and I'd like to pray uh, as we get started. So if you would bow your heads with me for a moment. Father, we know that you are an almighty God. We see it in your creation. Uh, we see it in your work in our very hearts to convict us of sin, to prompt us to righteousness, we also see, Father, that you are a great and powerful God as you raise up nations and take them down. We also know, Father God, that you are a strong and powerful God because you have sent your spirit to work in our lives and the lives of our children and our grandchildren and the children of this church specifically. Pray, Father, that you would exercise your great work through your spirit to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. Pray, Father God, that your spirit would guide us tonight in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Pray, Father, that you would open the eyes of our understanding brought bigger and better than ever to see you tonight and to experience you in a deeper, fuller way in our very souls. Pray, Father, you would lay upon us the conviction of the importance of training the next generation. For we realize, Father God, that that is an entrustment from you, but it's also a command from you. And from, based on those things, we're thankful too for the promises of your word to enable us to this task. Pray, Father God, that you would help us all to learn the things that we're to gain here tonight. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now, tonight I'm going to use some terminology. Um, that is building a, a heritage. Um, and you think about a heritage, we all have one, okay? And if you look at your hand out there, Roman numeral number one, let me tell you my definition of a heritage, all right? It's the legacy, both good and bad, that parents and grandparents pass to their children and grandchildren. And one of the things to know about that is that everyone has a heritage. You got a bad heritage, you got a good heritage. Everybody's got some of both, okay? And you might say, oh yeah, but you don't know mine, it was really bad. Well, you don't know mine either, it was really good, <laughs> okay? So anyway, we all have one. And uh, as you think about it, it's important for us to understand that we are passing a heritage to the next generation. Whether we're cognizant of it or not, we are doing it, all right? Now, if, if, if this was a teacher training meeting with teachers only, I'd be saying this, but it's, since it's a parent, grandparent, parent-focused training meeting, it fits just as well. We are always teaching. The question is, 
what are you teaching? Not if you're teaching or not teaching. You are teaching. Okay? It's just like if, if you come into this building on Sunday and there's some children running around, or you come to the Friday night training meeting for parents and grandparents and you're downstairs eating the pizza and there's some children around, we're all teaching those children something. They're watching us. They're picking up something. Some of it may be very passive. Okay, some of it may be very active, you know, especially if your child's the one misbehaving. You've got to take them around the corner upstairs or whatever, deal with it. Okay? We are teaching, okay? and it's important that we recognize that. So we're all involved with this heritage building type of thing. Let's talk or look at Colossians 1.28 uh, in your handout here to see what the purpose of this is. I mean, purpose of a godly heritage, all right? What are we really trying to do biblically? Uh, one of the things uh, that you'll pick up from me tonight are a lot of things that my wife and I did raising our children, both good and bad, all right? And a lot of things that I experienced as a child, both good and bad, with my parents, because that's my frame of reference. And I'm tr I try to look at those things through the lens of the Word of God so that I can adjust appropriately, teach appropriately, those types of things. We want to think biblically about things. So Colossians 1.28 is the verse I want to take you to to help us think about what's the purpose of all this. Anybody have Colossians 1.28 that can read it for us? A Bible reader? I know. Wait, before anybody reads it, can anybody quote it? Any quote, Bible quoters? <laughs> anybody by memory? Okay, let's have a Bible reader then. Go ahead, right here. Let's just look at this verse for just a few minutes here. We're to proclaim Christ, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom. Why? Why are we, why are we doing this teaching? Why are we doing this admonishing? Look at what the verse says. So that, it says, we may present every man complete in Christ. I mean, that would be the prayer goal, I'll say, as we're thinking about passing a godly heritage on. What about our own children, our own grandchildren, the kids in the hallway at the church, the kids on the playground? What about them? The goal is to help have a part in presenting them complete in Christ. And Eddie being complete, of course, is a mature, fully devoted follower of Christ. You know, we would say a disciple of Christ, someone who's an earnest Christian, those types of things of words we would say that. So when we think about building a godly heritage, we want to keep in mind the purpose. Okay? And we, un we need to keep in mind the purpose because it's not always going to be easy. Okay? And it's not going to be cheap. Okay? Any of you here you know, raised a child and sent all the education and you, know, you read these things in the paper and they say, oh, you know, it costs a quarter of a million dollars to raise a child in the United States now, and you just kind of go, I don't make that kind of money. <laughs> okay. And you, but you raise them anyway, okay? Um, but uh, anyway, those are the kind of things we have to recognize are going to happen. There's all these life circumstances. We better know the purpose. Okay, keep the purpose in mind that these children will become complete, fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Letter C here in Roman numeral number one as we're kind of getting started here, this concept of building a godly heritage. 
Let me give you some examples of a heritage, all right? Because we all have them. We have lots of pieces of, of, of the heritage, okay? These are some of the components to a heritage here, okay? You know, when I, as I was driving over here tonight, have you, have you all seen these yard signs around here? <laughs> Gosh, I was, I was at this one intersection and I thought, oh my goodness, there must be 50 of them here. There's so many, it's, it's too many. If I, was, if I was running for office, I wouldn't put mine in there. <laughs> um, but you know, there's an election, I think, coming up, okay? At least, at least in, in, in this area. Arkansas is having an election, okay? Um, and uh, we all have some kind of civic heritage. I don't know what your civic heritage is. I'll give you the one I grew up with. I thought every adult in the United States voted in every election as I was growing up. Now, why did I think that? My parents voted in every election. They talked about it at the dinner table, who they were going to vote for. And they looked at stuff in the newspapers. And what, did they ever ask me who to vote for? No. <laughs> but you know, I'm sitting down there listening, watching all this go on, and my dad, he he would uh, go vote before he went to work. Now, that meant you went when it was dark, <laughs> okay? And my mother would usually say that she'd go during the day, okay, when it was daylight, okay? She'd ask my dad at the supper table on election night, did you go vote today? And of course, he's got the I vote sticker on, or, and back in those days, they were metal pins they pinned on you, no stickers. Some of you aren't old enough for to remember those things, okay? <laughs> Back in the old days, before self-adhering stickers, you know, and stuff like that, they pinned, gave you a, gave you a pin, okay? And he'd have his pin on, and, 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 he'd say, and then she'd say something to the effect of, well, were you first? No, I was third, okay? Because he, you know, the place opened like 6.30 or something, and he'd be there waiting so he could vote and get to work, okay? So everybody's got a civic heritage, okay? Everybody's got a financial heritage. Some of you are going, well, I didn't know that because our finances are bird's nest, okay? Well, you've got some kind of financial heritage, right? And I could spend, you know, we could talk about that kind of thing, okay? We all have some kind of an educational heritage, all right? Now, I'll use myself as an illustration again. My parents, all the way growing up, they taught us, your, your basic education isn't done until you get a bachelor's degree. What, what's that mean to a third grader? <laughs> Nothing. Where's recess? You know, <laughs> grades. <laughs> you know, okay? But that, that was their concept of an education, a basic education. Okay? That's what they did. A lot of my aunts and uncles, advanced degrees, multiple generations, people went to college, doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, all. That was just part of, you know, all these relatives, all, everybody did this kind of stuff. I'm not saying that that's right and something else is wrong, okay? I bet you I was halfway through high school before I realized, huh, there are people who didn't go to college. <laughs> I might go in the Army instead of going to college. I mean, all these other options, you know, as I got older, I began to realize took place or were possibilities. So, you know, we have an educational heritage. We have a civic heritage. We have a financial heritage. I'm starting to help you think these things through categorically or in categories. Okay. Now, to, to our point here tonight, 
How about a religious heritage? We all got one. Uh, you, you go back down here to the mall, wherever the mall is around, Walmart, okay, the mall, wherever you go, okay, everybody in there's got some kind of religious heritage. Okay. And if, if, it's, if, if you're not an earnest something, meaning Jew, Christian, you know, Catholic, uh, you know, Muslim, if you're not an earnest person religiously, you probably got the blender religion, okay? But you got some kind of religious here. You got some concept of God, and we know that biblically because of the general revelation, okay? And the conscience that God's given everyone, okay? There's some concept of it. If you were alive at the time of 9-11, or anybody here during Pearl, Pearl Harbor, you know, back to another national crisis, okay? Um, you know? Uh, the, the country gets to praying, and everybody's praying. Well, who are they praying to? I'm not sure, but they're praying, okay? See what I'm saying? There's this religious stuff going on out there. Everybody's got some of that, all right? Now, the point I'm driving at here is we've all got this, and we could spend an hour breaking this all down even more, but I think I've made the point. What we want to do is think about all of these parts of a heritage biblically. We want to analyze those things biblically. We want to analyze our civic responsibility biblically. We want to analyze our financial responsibility biblically. We want to analyze all these things biblically and not just have this heritage, okay? Because a lot of this just heritage stuff may not be God-honoring, okay? And that's a part of becoming a sanctified, fully devoted follower, complete Christian, is to spend all of our lives walking with God, learning to love him more, and make the appropriate re repentance and confession of our sin and adjustments that we need to get this stuff straightened out for the next generation, right? And what a wonderful thing if we're able to pass on to the next generation a more godly heritage than we started with. That would be the goal, okay? That our children and our grandchildren and the kids at this church and the kids we... They build on what we give them, okay? And they've learned from our repentance. They've learned from our meditations on Scripture. They've learned from us about what it means to forgive. They've learned from us what it means to handle our finances and how you vote and all these different things, biblically speaking. Right? So that's a little bit of introduction, all right? Now, as we get more into this, I've got one more section, Roman number number two, where I'm going to do a lot of this kind of, I'll say, more teaching type of thing, then if, you're, if you like to look ahead, you know, like <laughs> sneak ahead, Roman number three and on, we'll get more into, I hope, uh, some participation here. But I, I want to get some of this basic uh, things, uh, you know, out on the table here for us to then build on for the remainder of the workshop, all right? So now let's talk about what the Bible says about all these kinds of things, all right? Um, there, are, there are two major entities, I'll say, involved with building a heritage for us as Christians. All right? There's the parents, grandparents, family folks, okay? and then there's the church folks. All right? And I would liken it to a rowboat. You all picture a rowboat in your, in your mind? Okay? Now, I'm talking about a rowboat with oars, okay? that you sit backwards and row, that kind of rowboat, you picture that? All right, some of you maybe even have tried it, okay? All right, that's the rowboat I've 
One or is the parent, the other or is the church for us as Christians. And what we want to do is row together. Okay? We want to row together. Alright? Now, can you row a boat one oared? Yes. Okay? I've done it. Alright? I learned how to do that. Okay? I could do it and I could do it straight. Okay, with one oar. That's a chore. You gotta learn you gotta learn how to how to feather the oar and you gotta learn how to do all that kind of stuff. Okay? So it can be done. But believe me, rowing with both oars synchronized is way better and way easier. Okay? So when somebody says, well, you know, I'm growing up in a single parent home. Okay? Or, you know, somebody's saying, my wife's not a Christian. Or, you know, my church isn't any good. Or, or what? See what I'm saying? Can we still, can God still work? He sure can. Okay. I mean, folks, he worked in Paul's life when he was in prison. Okay. Rowan wasn't going so well there. <laughs> okay. See what I'm saying? All right. My, my mother grew up in a single parent home. Her father died of a heart attack in 1933. He was in his early 40s. She was 13. Had a nine year old sister and had a 16 year old brother. Now, recollect a little American history. What was going on in America big time 1933? Great Depression. Not a real good time to have your husband up and die of a heart attack that was not planned. <laughs> okay. And what did my mother say when I talked to her about that as an adult? I said, how in the world did you function? She said, A and B. She said her broader family network helped them. And she, the way she said it was the folks at the church. And yeah, I'm about to cry, okay. And all her life, we would go visit some of those folks from the church who I had no context for as a child because they weren't relatives and we'd go see these people. Well, they poured their lives into these three children and my grandmother during the Depression years. Okay? So let's talk about this biblically. Let's look at Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. So I need another Bible reader. Does anybody have a real Bible? <laughs> See all these, all these electronic Bibles. You know, your batteries are going to give out one of these days or something. <laughs> Pastor's got a real Bible. Thank you. De Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. If you just read that, kind of get it out on the table for us here. Everybody listen here. may have heard these verses read before. These are kind of classic verses on the role and responsibilities of parents. Um, if, let me give you the context if you don't know that. Children of Israel wandered around the wilderness for a few years. Okay, A bunch of folks died off. Not a 
real pleasant experience, okay? And uh, time of God's judgment. All right? They're getting ready to go in the promised land, and they're having review. Okay? It's review time. That's the book of Deuteronomy. Do we need review? We sure do. Remember. Remember what Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance. We have the Lord's table to review and to remind, to review and to remind, because we get dull of hearing. Okay? And we start closing our spiritual eyes. So, the Ten Commandments are rehearsed in chapter 5. And then chapter 6 comes along. And it tells us what they're supposed to teach. Teach all these things, okay? It says in verse 6, Teach these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Teach them diligently, it says there. How are we supposed to do it? Half-heartedly? Lackadaisically? When it's convenient? When it's fun? No, diligently. Diligently. We are to teach these things to our children. It's a lifetime deal. The thing I want to impress upon you if you're writing stuff down is, is write down the word intentional. God wants us to be intentional about this. Okay? Be intentional. And it goes on, talks about, you know, binding them on your hands, writing them on your doorways, all that kind of stuff. Thank the Lord for the people at 3M that invoted that invented post-it notes where you stick the Bible verses all over the place and stuff like that, okay? And uh, stick them in your kid's lunch when you send them to school, you know, stick them in your head when you send them. <laughs> I, I had a friend that's a pastor, kind of a absent-minded professor, professor kind of pastor, okay? And uh, his wife said to me one time, she said, just pin a note on Bob. <laughs> And I'll read it to him when I see him. <laughs> so I, I used to think, oh, I should pin a note on Bob, the Bible memory verse, then his wife would read it to him so he could remember. And so anyway, you got, you got the idea. So post it, teach it, be diligent about it, okay? And we're not going to read all these other verses, but I would encourage you to read them, okay? Make this a devotional for you, you know, before you go to bed, tonight or next week or something, and sit down and open up the Word of God. The, the Psalm 78 passage, I really like that one um, because it talks about how we do this to the next generation. It, it engages the grandparents in this. Okay? It, it, it teaches us that this is not just the parents. I mean, we in the English language, we, we carry this concept I have six grandchildren. I am a grand parent. Okay. Now, what's that mean? Lord willing, it means I learned something the first go round. Okay. And I'm a more wise, godly, earnest, diligent parent now because I'm got some experience. Okay. And by the way, my 80-some-year-old mother told me one time. She said, "Dan, you never stop being a parent." This concept that we have in North America, United States, Canada, probably seen it all over, is that we raise our children to be independent. I don't know that that's a biblical, I don't, that is not a biblical concept. 
we raise our children to be earnest Christians, not independent and go do whatever they want to do, disconnected from the rest of the family. No, wait a minute. The biblical family carries on generation after generation after generation, and there is connection and familyness multiple generations. Okay? So the, the Psalm 78 talks about the role of grandparents. So does, so does Deuteronomy 4. Anyway, you can read these on your own, but you've got the idea. Parents have a responsibility, and grandparents have a responsibility. And, I, and, and, and any great-grandparents in here? Get the great, great, got some great. Oh, you're not old enough yet. <laughs> Your wife wouldn't put up her hand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, but you could, you could carry this to another generation. Okay, let's talk about the church for a minute. All right? The role of the church. Let's have a Bible reader read the Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. Or before we do that, do we have any quoters? Quote that one. All right, better have a Bible reader. And, and we'll take an electronic Bible this time, if, assuming the battery's fired up, okay? Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, and listen closely, okay? Who wants to read? Now, who's that addressed to? Children. This, this was read and preached and taught to the church. Okay. So, you know, th this is strong biblical warrant that the church teach children. Okay. I mean, it's right, I'm just reading the Bible back there. Ron's just reading the Bible to us, okay? This is God's word to children specifically. Okay. And if we say, Oh, the parents are the ones that are supposed to do this. Yeah, they are, but we are too. That's why I say it's, it's two oars, okay? All right? And one of the things that we do as a congregation, okay, is we look to the ways of educating and nurturing our covenant children corporately, okay, because of passages like this, okay? I mean, why in the world spend all the money and effort to have a Christian education building. Uh, last time I checked, it wasn't cheap, okay? Wasn't easy. These kids mess it up, they get it dirty, okay? We gotta train teachers, we gotta buy furniture, we gotta pay the light bills, all these things gotta, you know, whatever. Why? The scriptures are saying, children, obey your principles. Part of what we do is teach our children. Okay. Let's look at Deuteronomy 31. Okay. And uh, see what it tells us about this. So we need another Bible reader. Deuteronomy 31.
Okay, there we have another illustration. Get all the children in here and teach them, read them the word. Okay, this is a corporate God's people responsibility kind of thing. All right. So, what I'm trying to give give you to or help you to understand here is that the scriptures teach us both the responsibility of the parents and the responsibility of the covenant community to pass on a godly heritage to the, the next generations, okay? And to take these kinds of things very, very seriously. You know, I just thank the Lord for Sunday school teachers I had. Any of you go to Sunday school like I did? Okay. I had Mrs. Schwartz twice. I, she got promoted after I, I, was, I had her for kindergarten, I had her for third grade. She caught up with me. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't remember anything she taught me. If I can remember her, I can close my eyes and see her. Okay. I, I had Mr. Lowther, fourth grade. Okay. I, I know we did something that, that year other than the Ten Commandments, but I know he taught me the Ten Commandments. That, that's what I, and I can still see him. Okay. And, and I, I, I remember Mr. Marcelka, you know how I know him? Had him for four years. All of high school. Ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade. Same teacher. And I can remember, it wasn't too many years ago, my mother said to me, you know, Dan, Mr. Marcelka stepped down as the high school Sunday school teacher. And when she told me that, I thought, oh my goodness. That guy must have taught high school Sunday school class at that church for 40 years. He had to be ancient. Okay? Because, I mean... Whatever, I don't remember a thing he taught me, but I was there regularly. I knew he faithfully taught the Word of God. He ministered to me. But again, only heaven will know how those people influenced me. And I'm just using myself as an illustration. You have no concept of the grace of God being poured out on a child in that context. And what are they really learning? Because if they're a typical third-grade boy like me, I just wanted to go outside and get dirty in the creek. You know? That's about my extent of life. Okay? Now I finally grew up, learned how to read. <laughs> Miracle. Okay? You know, learned to take a bath. Wanted to take a bath. That's really different. Okay? Um, but anyway, the point I'm getting at is, you know, those of you that teach the Word of God to children, you do a good work. Okay? Those of you laboring with your own children to nurture them in the things of the Lord, not just Bible memory, but also helping them understand how does the Word of God apply to the election. That's a critical thing to do. You know, help your children and grandchildren watch television biblically. Okay? By the time my kids were in high school, they used to say, Dad, we don't want to watch television with you anymore because you ruin it all. Because <laughs> I'm... I'm talking about, oh, what sin was that? Oh, I don't know. I need to get into all those kind of things. So parents and, and churches row together on these things. So remember the rowboat illustration. So we've talked about a godly heritage, okay, and the, that concept of a heritage. We've talked about what the Bible says about these things. We have biblical warrant as parents, grandparents, that kind of thing, and as a church to teach and build a godly heritage. So we're not just inventing this, okay? Uh, we have God's word to give us direction. All right, now, those two main points in, in the workshop here, 
kind of set the stage for the rest of it. These next few sections are going to be the application of those truths. In other words, I'm going to start trying to ask the question, so what? How's this work out? How do we drill deep? How do we ask the follow-up questions? What do we do when we go home about this? Okay, it's one thing to sit around here at the church, be happy, have everybody's good pizza and you know, a nice night and everything. But what you do away from here is critical. And what happens after this meeting around here when the, when the church of, com, gathers, that's what we want to do. So we want to talk about applying these, these truths. So let's work on this, uh, what you can do to build a godly heritage. All right? Now, first bullet point here is develop a family atmosphere. Okay? Um, as I tried to think this through, one of the things that this atmosphere uh, what I'm trying to get at here is, is to create a context all right, in your home or in the church in order to have the ability to teach more direct things to kids. Okay? You know, the scriptures tell us that we should meditate on the Word of God. You know, you know Joshua 1.8, meditate on the Word. There's other passages that talk about that kind of thing. How do you meditate on the Bible if you haven't memorized the Bible? Have I made the point? Can you, can you now understand why I think scripture memory is important? Okay. We are to hide God's word in our heart that we might not sin against him. We are to meditate on the word of God. You can't meditate if you don't memorize. Okay. So, we want to create a context, I'll say, that's going back to this atmosphere, that we can help kids memorize scripture. Okay? It's tough to memorize scripture if you're yelling at them all the time. Okay? Or if you're making them feel bad about something all the time. Putting artificial guilt on them. Whatever is going on. Okay? So I want to talk about this atmosphere that's a teachable place. It's a good place to be. Let's talk about respect. Is your home a place of respect? Okay. Do, 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 do you teach your sons to open the door for mom? Okay. Uh, do you say please and thank you? Okay. Just common courtesy. Okay. All right. And, uh, you know, are children taught, you know, beating up on each other is not Christian behavior? Helping them think through biblically. Love one another. Forgive one another. Be unselfish. Those kinds of things. Okay? Not sinful stuff. Okay? Now again, my mother and dad raised three boys. I was the girl. <laughs> Two older brothers. Okay? Didn't quite work out the way they thought. <laughs> okay? And uh, my son is raising four boys, no girls. They keep trying to have another girl. <laughs> it's not happening. Okay? And, uh, but you've got to teach respect to these boys, okay? Because, you know, most boys, their idea, and I see it in our grandkids, is kick, push, shove, do all kinds of sinful things with each other, okay? And we want to build an atmosphere of respect, all right? Another thing to think about is gratitude. And if you've not heard the little Christian cliche, you know, have the gratitude attitude, okay? Um, you ever sit down with your kids and your grandkids and say, let's just thank the Lord for it. The great sunset. The kids are going, what's going on here? 
pray out loud. Great sunset. Thank you, God, for manifesting your presence to us in this sunset to see your creation, your almighty power. Whoa. Gratitude to God. All right. Gratitude for the hard things. Gratitude that says, Lord, we trust you with this automobile accident because we don't understand this. We thank you that you are sovereign in these hard times. Gratitude, attitude, okay. Order. Should I just skip that one? <laughs> How's your home? How's the church doing? Is there order to what's going on? Okay. Um, you know, um, we used to have a kind of a thing as our children got older, <clears throat> old enough, that they had to get their bedroom in order by Saturday night. Okay. So it was kind of a reset. Okay. Every week, okay, if, if, if it wasn't in order by, on Saturday morning, before they went to bed Saturday night, it had to get done on Saturday. Okay. And uh, that meant teaching them shoving it under the bed didn't count. Okay. <laughs> Putting it in the closet didn't count. Okay. All right. Putting it in the dirty clothes and sending it to the big brother's room, that doesn't count. Okay. Working on, that wasn't easy. Okay, put an order to things. But, you know, if we don't teach our children these kinds of things, the atmosphere can deteriorate in our homes to the point it's tough to teach. Okay, it's tough to talk about the things of the Lord because of the atmosphere that's there. How about affection? Right. Is your home an affectionate point, place? In other words, do you physically show love to one another? You know, the scriptures talk about how we should love one another. Well, there's a physical aspect of that. Right? And I just want to thank the Lord for my wife to help me learn that okay? and to pass it on to our children. Okay? We never, with our son, had any problem during his teen years hugging us or letting us hug him. Okay? Why? He grew up with it. Okay? When we get together as a family now, we, you know, I've got a daughter-in-law and a son-in-law, and I've got all these grandkids and stuff. When we get to re ready to leave, okay, we have this big family hug. Okay? Everybody gets out in the driveway, you know, kind of hugs on each other, okay? and we pray. Okay? Well, it, if, if you don't build an atmosphere of affection when they're little guys, you're not going to be hugging on each other as adults, praying on the driveway and watching all the grandkids hanging on your legs, what are the big people doing, okay? Well, they're, they're learning from us, okay? Now, you know, my daughter-in-law, no, not too much problem doing that. My son-in-law came from a very stoic Presbyterian home, okay? And he's 6'5", okay? So he's about that tall. So, you know, when I hug him, my, my head's about on his chest. I, you know, it's one of those kind of things. Should have seen my mother. She was 4'10". Yeah, <laughs> she's the Goliath to him, okay, or Goliath to her, All right? Well, the first few times he was doing that, I mean, he's just like, oh, they're tugging me, oh, they're going to pray, oh, you know, but, you know, he wanted to marry my daughter, so he had to get used to it, <laughs> okay, but now he's part of it, he's learned, okay, so there should be affection, I think, to help in this atmosphere, think about joyfulness, okay,
Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. I think it's good to keep telling, okay? <laughs> because, you know, God loves us, and just because we turned 21, he didn't quit telling us, okay? And uh, someday you may be laying in the nursing home bed for cardiac intensive care. You ever been to some of those places? Okay. It'd be really nice if your kids came in and said, I love you, Dad. Love you, Mom. Praying for you. Pray for you every day. Got all the grandkids praying for you. Send those texts. Love and prayers. Love and prayers. Okay? I mean, I will, I'm, I'm trying to communicate to my children that all the emails, all the texts, they end with love and prayers. Love and prayers. They're going to say, you know what? Dad must have sent that about a million times. How many emails and texts did we get? It ends love and prayers. Okay? And I'm praying. And I'm loving them, and I'm trying to communicate that to them because I want to pass a heritage on that they'll turn around and do it with their children. Okay, so the joy of the Lord, I thought, ought to be on our hearts. Okay, that's part of being a Christian. Okay, you know, having the poor me's self-pity. I don't see that in the Bible. That to me, that's a sin to repent of. Okay, we ought to express what it means to be in Christ. This is a great day to be in the land of the living, walking with the living God, okay? on our way to forever as a part of the church triumphant. God is on his throne. He's not moved. Nothing's going to get him off. No Ebola, no Obama, no Putin, no American army, no special forces. Nothing's going to get God off his throne. And if he, by his sovereign grace, chose to end prime, prime, whatever Putin is in Russia, his career would be over right this minute. It wouldn't last one more day. Okay. That's who we serve. We are a part of the kingdom of God. Right? It's a great day to be in the Lord. Okay? Let's let our kids know that, our grandkids know that. When you're here at the church, smile at those kids and say, man, I'm glad you're here today. Good to see your bright and shiny face. And that little half-sleepy kid's going to look at you like, what in the world happened to him? <laughs> okay. But show them the joy of the Lord. Okay. Think about it, folks. We could still be dead in our sins and trespasses if it weren't for Christ and his saving grace to us. Let's express that with a joyful heart. Affirmation, okay? Is, is your home an affirming place to be? Or is it one of those places to be avoided? I grew up with a friend, and his home was to be avoided. We, if, if we were at his house and both his parents were there, we left. Because they cussed and bickered treated each other just awful. It's amazing they didn't get guns and shoot each other. Okay, now, I didn't understand that as a child. I just knew, man, if both of them were there, we would get out of there. Because, man, it is just yuck. Okay? They said words to each other that I would have been severely disciplined for in my home growing up. Okay? The atmosphere of that place was poison. Okay? And my friend grew up poisoned. 
never knew the Lord died young, immoral, ungodly man. And I thought, his parents trained him. They gave him a heritage full of all that kind of stuff. Okay. Home I grew up in, nothing like this, guys. I had a mother that loved to bake for a hobby. <laughs> I mean, her idea of a good time is to make something, to, you know, dessert. <laughs> okay. Like sugar. <laughs> like icing. <laughs> okay. Like you cannot imagine. Okay. I mean, she made chocolate chip cookies like I've never seen anybody make. I, she had that perfected beyond understanding. Okay. She made them by the million. Okay. And if they weren't fresh in the cookie jar, they were frozen in the freezer. Okay. And, uh, you know, we never had a meal without dessert. And when my mother was old, a widow, she used to make desserts. And I said to her one time, I said, Mom, what are you doing? She's making two cakes. I said, you're by yourself. What are you going to do with these? Oh, I'll take them to church and give them to somebody. <laughs> I just used to think, oh, boy, these folks at the church go, here comes Mrs. Bolton. I'm going to see what she's carrying. <laughs> see my, get, open the door for her. <laughs> get that whatever cake she's got or whatever she's trying to find somebody to give this stuff to. But that was her hobby, okay? Well, that created an atmosphere where people really got affirmed at our home, okay? The chocolate chip cookies, the pie, the cake, whatever she had, cupcakes. She'd whip this stuff out, sit down and listen to my friends and I, okay? What's going on and stuff? My friends used to say to me, hey, Dan, how about we go to your house? You think mom's got some of those cookies? <laughs> <laughs> Count on it, okay? But it created this atmosphere where people were really affirmed, okay, is the point I'm getting at. And I'm not saying you got to bake cookies, because my mother didn't do everything that well, but <laughs> she did do that well, okay? And it, but it helped create this atmosphere. So you think about the atmosphere in your home, okay? Now, anybody have questions or comments on this atmosphere thing, okay? Anybody have a good atmosphere story from when you were growing up or anything like that? What was the atmosphere? Kind of, you know, what did it smell like there? What did it feel like? That's what I'm driving at. That's, that's what I'm driving at, is the door open. Do, do, do your children and their friends want to be at your house? Okay. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's, the, that's getting at the point of what I'm driving at here, is the atmosphere, that kind of an atmosphere. Okay. Now, you start laying the stage for that and building that kind of heritage when they're little guys. So as they get bigger, the atmosphere just feels—it just feels better. And there's there's order, there's gratitude, there's respect, uh, respect, all these different kinds of things. Let's go on and talk about 
uh, developing some biblical standards, okay? Um, we want to help our children to think biblically. Now, again, all of these things you want to kind of shoot, have shot through with Scripture and, and help your kids think biblically about them. But most specifically here, help your children to recognize that their thought life and the things they think need to be done biblically. Set your mind on the things above, okay, is, is the concept here. And, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, all right? Those are the kinds of things that I, I'm wanting you to help you think about, okay, what's going on as far as biblical thinking goes with our children, okay? I wonder, can we, can we start thinking about that, okay? Like our kids would come home from school sometimes or do something and they, they'd say, da 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 what some explanation of some circumstance, you know, tell us what they've experienced. And I said, well, let's see what the Bible says about that. Let's get our concordance out. Y'all know what a concordance is? Okay, if you don't, see me later. Okay, <laughs> okay explain that's, uh, how that works. But let's get our concordance out. Okay, that's that book that has all the Bible verses in it or it's on the internet or it's on the... Maybe you have some Bible software or something. Look up a word, tells you all the references to it in the Bible, that kind of stuff. Let's see what the Bible says about a teacher who treats you unjustly. Let's, talk about, let's see what the Bible says about injustice. Is there any injustice in this world? Some of you are not convinced. There is. Okay. All right. Let, let's see what the Bible says about lying politicians. Does the Bible say anything about lying? Does it say anything about telling the truth? You got both sides, okay? That's what I'm talking about here. And help our children understand our standard is God's standard. And we're asking God to give us the courage, the conviction, the knowledge, the ability to obey Him and His standards and to adjust and repent accordingly, okay? Those kinds of things. So that's what I'm talking about here. But let's talk about stewardship for a minute. Um, you know, what are the biblical standards? I'm just, these are just some real basic fundamental things because you can drive this a lot deeper in a lot of specific areas. But let's just talk about stewardship, okay? Time. How do you handle time? There's three T's here. We're going to get this time. How do you handle time? Time management. Redeem the time for the days are evil. Do all things as unto the Lord. Time factor. What are you doing with the time that you have? Okay. I'm not trying to you know, put you on some kind of self-righteous treadmill here, but you need to help your children understand the whole concept of God Almighty has you here at this time, at this place, to do what? I don't know. So you've got to use the time God's given you. Stewardship of time. Let me, let me just think about education. Well, we all have an educational heritage. There's a time factor involved with education. See, I'm trying to drive this deeper. There's a homework component in education, trying to drive this deeper. How do, how do you use the time to do your homework? You sit there like I did and go, just sitting there. <laughs> my mother would come along and my dad, how are you coming on your homework? Oh, fine, fine. <laughs> I've done a thing since they were there the last time checking, you know. 
I'm a fifth grade boy. Oh, I just want to go play in the creek, you know, and you guys, you know, they want me to sit here and learn the spelling words or whatever I'm doing. And stuff. Stewardship of time, the time, T, time. Talent. That's the other T, that's the next T. You've got time, talent. Stewardship of the talents God's entrusted you with. Okay. Certain natural abilities that God gives you. How are you doing stewarding those things? If you're, if you're a Christian, God has given you spiritual gifts. How are you doing stewarding those gifts, those talents, we'll call them. You can put that under the talent concept. What are you doing? Okay. It, it, you know, it's, it's like people say to me, Dan, what are you going to do when you retire? I'm thinking, I don't know that the Bible teaches anything like that, but, you know, I, I, I'll just uh, redirect to something else. And somebody says, well, you know, what, what are you going to do? I said, well, man, if I didn't have to have a real job, okay, all this kind of stuff, I said, I'd probably have a Bible study at the church every night or something. You know, why? God's gifted me as a teacher. I'm going to teach, okay? I'll probably teach till I can't teach. See what I'm saying? Till, you know, until I'm too old and not talking right anymore or something, you know, or just go to glory from here, okay? Uh, so you've got... You know, talent. Maybe you have a real uh, ability with science. Use that. Maybe you have a real ability to, my mother, bake cookies. <laughs> yes. Okay, whatever, time, talent. Lastly, anybody, can anybody guess what the third T is? Treasure. Okay. Teach your children about treasure. Teach your grandkids about treasure. Teach them about money. That's the concept. Who's, what do you know about money? I'll tell you what, folks. There are a whole bunch of people who don't know the Lord, who don't have any concept of Christian stewardship of talent, and there's a whole bunch of folks that are Christians that have very little concept of it. Okay? And how do I know that? I haven't been in the business world enough to know. Okay? <laughs> right. um, you know, I work for Great Commission Publications. Their people don't pay their bills to us. Interesting. Usually, after we call them a time or two, they, you know, most of them are Christians. They feel pretty guilty. <laughs> okay. And especially the church treasurers. You know, we say we we don't want to report to your pastor that this hasn't been done and stuff like that. So, a little tongue in cheek there, but you know, checkbooks. Who's going to teach them how to balance a checkbook? Maybe you don't know. Maybe you should find out somebody who does and let them teach you at your stage of life. I mean, I've. Worked with some people that are 70 years old, never balanced a checkbook in their life, and their finances show it. Okay. Uh, how are you doing with credit cards? Okay. My daughter was nine years old when she got her first pre-approved credit card. <laughs> nine! I, I have a buddy that's a big-time banker here in the United States. He's one of these guys who testifies before Congress. He's one of the vice presidents of one of the big New York banks. I called up Bob. I said, Bob! Bethany got a credit card, not from your bank, but another one. <laughs> and he said, oh, Dan, he said, everybody in the United States has been so saturated with credit cards, we're drilling down to the children. I said, Bob, she doesn't even have a job, <laughs> okay? <laughs> What's going on here? But you've got to teach your kids how to handle credit cards, checking accounts, savings. You know. My dad had a great rule, okay? This, this is a, a Dad Bolton. Ism, okay. 
you give 10%, you save 10%, you live on the rest. Same guy. Was he a good Scotch Presbyterian? <laughs> Came from the old country, probably. Okay. Okay. 10, 10, 80. Okay. Give 10, save 10, live on the rest. Okay. I don't care where you are on the planet, that's a pretty good biblical uh, example. The giving, the saving for the rainy day, you know, be prepared kind of stuff, and you live on the rest. Okay? Teach your kids that. I mean, my dad gave us nickels and dimes when we were kids to teach us that stuff. Okay? And, you know, he used to, we, we, we would sit in the, you know, we, we had to be in the back seat of the car ready to go to church at 9.15 because it started at 9.30. We just lived hard. I mean, and if you missed the car going home, you walked. We were that close, okay? <laughs> okay? There were a few times I walked, okay? Never in the rain, but okay. Uh, they left without me, and I thought, oh, yeah, he's going to say, hey, I told you, you missed the bus going on your own. Okay. Um, but anyway, he'd turn around, and he'd say, He'd look, around, look at us, and he'd say, everybody ready? And what he meant by ready was, did we have our church clothes on properly? Because remember, three boys, the stuff we wore to church, we weren't allowed to wear anywhere else, or it would be ruined. <laughs> okay. Remember, my concept of a good day is the creek, something like that. Uh, anyway, so I had only church clothes on, had those on. Okay. Did I have my Bible? Okay. And did I have my offering? I mean, my offering about melted by the time I got it there, okay? And I have my Bible in the other hand, okay? And I'm trying to, you know, make sure I got, got both those at the right place at the right time. I still have my childhood Bible, and, I, and I, it's in shreds. And I think, I, don't, I hardly ever read it, but I wore it out taking it back and forth to church, okay? <laughs> All right? But it taught me some important lessons. I was ready. You know, I learned the books of the Bible, you know, I learned my way around the Bible and stuff like that with it. So time, talent, treasure. I mean, you can, all these things. What, what Deuteronomy 6 say? Teach them diligently, not just the Ten Commandments, but how those commandments all work out. Okay, and that's what we're talking about here. How about relationships? What are some biblical standards for relationships? You know what? There's a lot of relationships going on in this life. How about their love relationship with Almighty God? Are you falling in more love with the Lord every day? Are you looking to the face of God every day and loving him and thanking him and rejoicing you're one of his children? Or are you looking to the hand of God and saying, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Get, 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 get. That, that's what I'm talking about. Do you, do you love the Lord or you just want stuff from God? Big difference. We've got to help our children understand that relationship and that they can have that kind of relationship with God. That they love the Lord, and that God can redeem them of their sins and make them one of his children. How about the relationship? Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Teach your children what a husband and wife relationship is all about. What about forgive one another? Oh. You all need to you know, ask the Lord to help us to forgive each other. You know, how about have your children and your grandchildren heard you repent of your sin to them, toward them? Humble yourself 
under the mighty hand of God and confess your sins to one another. And if you sin, have sinned towards your children or your grandchildren, you need to go to them and confess your sin to them. That's what I'm talking about here. That's real Christianity. I just, you know, that was hard the first few times. Go to my kids, and you know what? I can still remember my daughter was confessing some sin to her. I don't even remember what it was. And she says, oh, Dad, it's no big deal. You've done that before. <laughs> I thought, oh, good. You know, it's no big deal to her, but boy, the Spirit of God had a hold of me by both shoulders and was bearing down saying, Dan, you need to repent. Okay. How about your relationship with your employer or your employees if you're the boss? Okay. How about your relationship to your neighbors? How about your relationship to, the, to your brothers and sisters in Christ? I mean, they're in space on the paper to write all this down. Okay. I'm just trying to help, help you understand if we're going to build a godly heritage with our children, we need to help them process this stuff through. Okay? Let me ask you the question. If you don't teach them as parents and grandparents and they're not taught this at home, where are they going to get it? Are they going to turn in on CNN and they're going to do it? I don't think so. I know Fox News will do it. No, they won't do it either. Okay? Okay. Can, can you count on the textbook at school doing it? Probably not. This is our responsibility as God's covenant family and as parents and grandparents to do these things with our covenant children. So the relationship thing, you, you start looking around the Bible at these different relationships, you see there's a lot to learn. Okay? And would this help the divorce rate? It sure would. Okay? Would this help the murder rate? Probably would. Okay? Would this help the you know, disjointed, dysfunctional, goofed up, broken up families? It sure would. Why? God wants us to live God-centered, Christ-focused lives. So let's help our children understand what those relationships are all about because they're going to face them. Okay? They're probably already facing them with their siblings and with you in their home. Okay? They're facing them at school. They're facing them in the neighborhood. They're facing them at the family get-togethers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. All right, how about priorities? What are some biblical standards for our priorities? Hmm. What are your priorities as a family? Obviously... We all have them. Okay, we all have them. I'll just give you a few to think through. There's six days in the week, and then there's the Lord's Day. And that's something we've got to learn and reprioritize our lives on. Now, I'm not here to advocate, you know, Old Testament Sabbath keeping and Pharisees going around checking everything. But there's six days a week to do nearly all of the rest of life. And one day of the week to set aside to worship God and to be with God's people and to devote yourselves to the things of the Lord. And if it's the priority of your home to make the Lord's day the Lord's day and the other six days of the week to get everything else ready and done, it will help put an order, remember up there number, six, number three above, to your family that you will rejoice over in a few years. You'll start going, I get the cadence of this. We all need some rest. We all need a time to, I'll say, recalibrate our priorities and our focus and get ourselves engaged with the things of God as we assemble ourselves together to worship. What are we doing, folks? We're worshiping Almighty God corporately. 
we're saying to God, we love you, God, so much. We're all going to get together and praise your name. We're going to submit ourselves to the preaching and the teaching of your word and Christian nurture of our children. We're going to fellowship together. Scripture tells us in Hebrews that when we assemble ourselves together, we should encourage one another to love and to good deeds. When you get together with God's people, don't just talk about the weather and the football. I've grown up in a, around Columbus, Ohio. My wife went to Ohio State. My dad went to Ohio State. I went to Ohio State football games on nauseam when I was a child. My dad had season tickets and stuff. But I'll tell you what, folks, that ain't going to help me one iota get into heaven. That ain't going to sanctify me in the things of Christ very much at all. I need folks like you to love me, right, encourage me to good deeds when I'm around you, not tell me about Ohio State football more. Okay, now, I, I, does Arkansas have a football team? Oh, you know, I know Alabama does. I've heard that they do. They have one over there. But you got the idea. Priorities. And I'm just putting out the Lord's Day out there because that, you know, we live in a culture that's not very conducive to those kinds of things. Okay? Um, how's that work out? We said to our kids from way young to size, the Lord's Day is the Lord's Day. And if there's going to be some soccer game or swimming thing or something, you just don't participate. As we just don't do that. Now, if it's the once a year something, okay, we understand that. But not every week. I, I was at church one week and I say to this guy, he's, he's there with his son. I said, well, you know, where's your wife and your daughters? What's going on? Oh, it's swim season, Dan. I said, what do you mean swim season? He's, they, they said, oh, next four months is, is indoor swim season. The girls swim, swim teams. Oh, that's all on Sunday. And my wife, will, they'll be back you know, after swim season. I, folks, to be real frank about it, I cannot justify that kind of behavior biblically. We're going to absent ourselves from the assembling of God's people together for four months to be on a swim team. There's other things to set your priorities on. Okay? I mean, it can go on and on and on and on and on. So my kids were taught, hey, if something's a, you just got to say, no, I don't do it. I'm sorry, there's other things to do. And, you know, I looked at my children, they turned out all right. Okay, they they didn't suffer as children. Okay, and and they never thought, oh, I'm going to die if I go to church. You know, it's a terrible, no good, very bad day. I've got to go to the Lord's house to be with God's people. It's just really bad. Mean parents. They never got that from them. Okay, so set priorities. What what's the priority on education in your home? Now I don't know what it's like here. Okay, but you know, the United States is a great country. Um, we offer, every state I've been in, and I've been in almost, I think there's only two states I've not been in, okay, every place I go, those states are offering 13 years of free education to children and their parents. 13 years free. Now, there's a tax system to pay for it, okay, I understand that, okay, but it's not costing the child anything directly. Ought we not redeem the time and take advantage of those educational opportunities? and teach our children, that is a priority. You've got to learn how to read and write and spell. Why? So you can know God better, know his word better. Okay? Be a good steward of the talents and the treasures that the Lord's given you. Be a good steward of the time that the Lord's given you. Those kinds of things. So priorities. How about family reunions? 
Family get-togethers. Are they a priority in your family? I mean, I, I, I know families who, you know, the grandparents, they don't want to see the grandkids. They, they, they don't want to, you know, make a deal, you know. If you want to stop by with them, okay, but don't stay long. I mean, we, we got to go to Florida. You know, we, we got to, you know, family is not a priority to those people, okay? Well, I can't justify that biblically, okay? So, you know, I know I could go on and on, but you think through what are your priorities as a family and work on those things to refine them and to develop them, okay? How about spiritual disciplines? That's, that's the next one here, okay? If I'm following, yep. Got to flip the page here. One more. What are your biblical standards for spiritual disciplines? What place does prayer have in your home? What place does the Word of God have in your home? What place does fasting have in your home? What place does submitting to the teaching of the Word of God have in your home. Because these are all ways God's going to manifest His grace to us. These are the ordinary means of grace to us. Okay? We ought to seize those opportunities and, those, and cultivate those disciplines. I hope you as parents and grandparents are saying to your kids and your grandkids and stuff, boy, this, today when I was reading the Word, you know, look at what I saw. And they're going to say, you told me about that last week. <laughs> yeah. That's right. God's still working in my life. Okay, or, you know, you can show them how you mark in your Bible. Okay, I don't know how you do it in these electric Bibles, but you know, <laughs> better way to do that probably. But uh, anyway, you know, talk to them about. Hey, I've been praying for you. What can I pray for you about? I've been praying about this. You know, get ready to go on a car trip. Before we leave, we've got to pray. Ask God to work here in this situation. Deliver us safely to where we're going. When you get home, before we all get out of the car, let's thank God we got here. Okay? Just simple things like that. Okay? You're eating your Wendy's hamburger in the car while you're driving along. Somebody ought to pray for lunch. Okay? Pray out loud. All right? Those kinds of things. Exercise the spiritual disciplines and help your kids see that. Let me just make a comment here. Um, I just rejoice. The, the more I recognize the value I had growing up in a Christian home with earnest Christian parents. Because I can remember sitting on my bed as a third grader memorizing the 23rd Psalm with my dad. And I still got it in here and some of it in here. God's working on that. Where did that all start? It started with a dad that understood the importance of memorizing God's word, helping his third grade son, who had no idea at that point in his life why that was of any value at all. I was only doing it because he wanted me to and was kind of making me. <laughs> okay, all right? But it was a great discipline. Like, he also made sure I knew how to swim. Very important. Did I understand that as a first and second grader? Absolutely not. Okay? Just like my parents made sure I learned how to read and helped me practice. Did I understand why that was important? Absolutely not. But let me just tell you. Let's 
to kind of calculate here. It had been about nine hours before my dad went to glory to be a part of the church triumphant. You know what I was telling him in the nursing home? Anybody put it together? The 23rd Psalm. That's my last memory of being with my dad because I left. And my mom called about nine hours later and, and I knew at six o'clock in the morning that my mother was calling. Something was wrong. I, as soon as I heard her voice, I thought dad's died. Why else would she call at that hour? But what about the grace of God to me and to him as he's in the valley of the shadow of death? He need not fear the evil that might come upon him. The Lord is going to be with him. All of the stuff of the 23rd Psalm he heard from his son who he taught how many ever years before on that bed when I was in third grade. And I just thank God for a father that had some concept of spiritual discipline. Okay. Got to teach these things. Practice them yourselves. Teach them to your children. Okay. We've got to row the boat here. <laughs> Put the motor on here. Okay. Uh, let's talk about developing some family traditions. Again, what we're trying to do here in this, I'll say, kind of second, this two-thirds of this workshop is work out these biblical truths of, you know, what it means to parent and grandparent and teach at the church and, you know, how does this stuff work out, okay? Develop family traditions, okay? What are your family traditions? Capitalize on the events, okay? Capitalize on Christmas. <laughs> Our government has made a national holiday out of it. Okay? Capitalize on Thanksgiving. Okay? Our government has made a national holiday out of Thanksgiving. Who better to celebrate Thanksgiving than we as Christians? We know Almighty God who we can be thankful to. Okay? The unbelieving world, it's just a holiday. Woohoo! Go shopping or whatever they do. Okay. So, but, you know, capitalize on these things. If, if you're not familiar with Abraham Lincoln's Thanksgiving Proclamation from 1863, look it up on the internet. Thanksgiving Proclamation, 1863, Abraham Lincoln, Google it. It will preach, Pastor. <laughs> okay. As my Southern Baptist friends would say, that'll preach. <laughs> okay. Oh, man, will that preach. Okay, but read that, okay? It's, it's only one, it's, 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 uh, on a, it's a single, it's eight and a half by 11 double spaced, all on one page, you can read it at your Thanksgiving. My wife and I, when we would have Thanksgiving celebrations, we would uh, invite every living relative on the planet and bring anybody else you wanted to, you know, and they could come, okay? And I would read that, okay? And then I'd say, does anybody here have anything they want to express thanks to God for? Now, every third or fourth person I know is a non-Christian, okay? It's not like we live in some, you know, angelic home, broader family network, okay? And, uh, okay, and some of, some of my relatives, before I got three-quarters done reading the proclamation, they're crying. Because they haven't sat down and thought about being thankful since the last time they were there, okay? 
it's so speaking to their heart. Well, that's also the spirit of God saying, oh, maybe you'd be thankful to me about something. Okay. Christmas, okay. birthdays, anniversaries, okay. family reunions, make these events times to teach. Okay. Pass on the godly heritage. Talk about stories. That's another one. Think about traditions. Establish traditions that you can tell stories about. Or remember stories from the past and pass them on. Okay? So maybe you've got a family story and you say, well, we don't have any family stories worth passing on. Oh, yeah? Start one. Okay? I mean, think about it. Start a story. Okay? I'll give you a story from our family. 1917, coming up on 100 years almost from that, my grandfather on my dad's side of the family, his father, went to Belfountain, Ohio, bought an engagement ring that he was going to give to Lucille. Okay, now, uh, and uh, he got back to his apartment, and that, it was really a room that you were renting. He was renting a room. And he thought, this ain't good enough. Went back to the jeweler after selling his car, so he'd have enough money to buy a better ring. Took the train, okay, to Knightstown, Indiana, which is near Indianapolis, and he proposed to Lucille. Lucille said yes, okay. And I have Lucille's mother's diary. And the date was, in, I can't give you, it was, it was October something. Cal, that was the grandfather, gave Lucille, my grandmother, a beautiful diamond today. That's the diary entry. Okay. All right. Now, more story. Okay. I still have the receipt. Okay, from the jeweler. Okay. My son, he's got the ring. Or he got the ring. Okay. Because when Lucille died, my dad inherited the ring and put it in the safety deposit box. And after my dad died, my mother said to me, Hey, Dan, think Brian would ever want this to give to somebody? I said, probably. Cal sold his car to get it. <laughs> now, ladies, you know anything about diamonds. You sell a car. I mean, just extrapolate the money today, okay? And, and Cal was the kind of guy who had a nice car, okay? And uh, think about, now, ah, you know, today, let's say the car's worth $30,000. You get a nice ring for $30,000? Yeah, Cal got a really nice ring by today's standards. Okay. So, yeah, Brian says, yeah, he'd like to have that ring. Well, pretty soon Stacy comes along. He says, hey, Dad, how about that ring? I said, it's all yours. So Stacy's got the ring now that Cal bought Lucille in 1917. Okay. Now, here's my dad's take on all of this. One woman, one man for life. That's the biblical teaching on marriage. Now, I'm not saying that God can't redeem other situations, but biblically speaking, it's one woman, one man for life until death do you part. And my dad said he was so thankful that he had that kind of a upbringing, and that's the kind of life he was living, and he was praying that his children and grandchildren would live the same way. One woman, one man for life. So now Brian's got that ring that Stacy had that he gave to Stacy that was Lucille's that was in the lockbox that I have the receipt for and the box that came in and everything. Cal sold the car and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so we got a story. One woman, one man for life. 
So we take that ring and we look at it biblically and say, what's that telling us? How can we use that story? Okay. Think about traditions. Okay. Thinking about family traditions here. Okay. Beliefs. What do you believe as a family? Okay. What do you believe? Okay. If we don't teach our children biblical doctrine, who else is going to teach it to them? Nobody. Okay. You, again, you can't count on CNN. They just keep letting us down. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, you know, what do you believe? Let your children know what you believe. Okay. Tell them that you believe in election and show them in the Bible where that is. Okay. Tell them you believe that all scripture is inspired by God. It's, it's infallible. It's without air. It's good for us. Okay. It feeds our souls. It's God's means to strengthen us. You know, we've got a lot of people in the church living today that are sick in their souls. Okay? They're impoverished spiritually because they're not in the Word. Okay? You, if you feel like you're dragging spiritually, take a big gulp. Okay? Get the 32-ouncer. Okay? Whatever. Okay? Tell your kids, teach them what you believe about these things. You believe in the deity of Christ. You believe there's only one God. All the rest of these gods that they hear about, they're not, it's not really a god. You're thinking of someone's mind. They're concoctions. Okay? You believe in heaven and hell. Teach them. Okay? There is a judgment. Read Revelation. Whew. I just finished reading Revelation. I thought, oh man, this is just a judgment. Okay, Jeez, tough times. Okay? Time to repent. It's an awful thing to fall in the hands of the living God okay, and not know Christ. Okay? You believe in the church triumphant. Where is Grandpa? How do you know that he's there? I know my dad's there. He gave a positive profession over and over and over and over of his repentance. Over and over. I mean, I tell you, it's like, <sighs> yeah. If he's not part of the church triumphant, then it doesn't mean anything to confess Christ. Okay? Do you believe in the resurrection? Okay. Jesus rose from the dead. Does that teach him anything? Okay. My mother grew up going to Grandview Cemetery, Chillicothe, Ohio, overlooks the whole city, and it is a grand view, and that's why the cemetery's named that. Okay. She grew up in a good Presbyterian church there. They had sunrise service in that cemetery all her growing up years. Okay, now think about it, folks. All your dead relatives are buried around you here. And they are. I mean, my mother could go back there and say, Cousin Othie's over there, Aunt So-and-So's over there, Mom and Dad are over here, I'm going to be there. Da -da 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 they stood there, watched the sun come up, and the pastor preached on Jesus, the resurrection, the life. You're thinking about, man, you're 10, 12, 15 years old, and here's all the dead relatives. I wonder if they knew the Lord. I wonder if they knew the Lord. It's a real eye-opener. Teach them what you believe, okay? How about touchstones? You got some touchstones, okay? What kind of touchstones are they? You know what a touchstone is? If you go to the book of Joshua, remember the, when the children of Israel, they'd wandered in the wilderness, for 40 years, they were going into the promised land. They got the rocks, okay? Got the big rocks, made a rock pile. 
Okay, those are touchstones. What were they supposed to do with the rock pile? Bring their children back, in a sense, put their hands on this rock pile or say that. See this rock pile, boys and girls? See son, daughter, grandma, or, you know, grandson, granddaughter? God delivered us from slavery in Egypt, brought us into the promised land. God is a faithful God. He is a long-suffering God. He delivered us from slavery. He can deliver you from the slavery of sin. Do you have some rock piles okay, that you can take your kids back to and say, God worked here. God did this. God did that. Okay? Write it down. Okay? Make a note on it. Let me tell you something my wife and I are doing. For each of our grandkids at their baptism, we've given them a memory box. Okay? It's a wooden box, real nice wooden box put a plaque on it with their name and their baptism and some stuff like that on there, okay? And we write notes and put in the box, okay? Touchstones, prayers, postcards. Put, put the special, you know, Susan B. Anthony gold silver dollar thing, that, whatever, put that, Grandpa gave you that. Put that in the box, okay? Let that, they'll put stuff in there, okay? What are we trying to do? We're trying to create touchstones for them of things that they can see God at work in their lives. Let me give you an illustration. Our first grandson, first grandchild was a son, okay, on his first birthday. Now, kind of run this through your mind. First grandchild, first birthday. I had made a commitment before he was conceived to go to Romania to train pastors. happened to be on his first birthday. So the determination was I'd go to Romania because other people would be at the birthday party. Did I want to go to the birthday party? Yeah. Did my son want, us, want me to be at the birthday party with his, grand, with his son? Sure. We all wanted to do that. But the guys in Romania would be left untrained if I canceled. So there's a card in his box. It says, Grandpa couldn't be at the birthday party da, 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 on your first birthday because he was in Romania training the pastors. Okay. Here's a touchstone. Grandpa was serving the Lord. Of course, my grandson, he wouldn't know <laughs> whether I was there or not, but he will, he will someday. He'll understand that you know, when he's a father, Lord willing. So work on touchstones. Think about that. Yeah, remember I told you about my banker friend, that Bob, that testifies at Congress and stuff like that? That's what he's doing. He's got a journal for every one of his grandkids, and he's going to give it to them on their 18th birthday. Make a note, prayers, scripture references, thoughts, all these kind of things, and that's what they'll get on their 18th birthday present for Bob. Help prime the pump that way. Good point. Good, good. All right, let's keep rolling here. Um, let's, let's look at uh, develop impression points. Uh, written things, spoken things. We've gotten at some of that. We've got the journal, the box, these kinds of things. Tell them things. Make a point. Of, in other words, what I, remember we said that we need to be intentional about this. Be intentional about it. I'm going to tell them this. I'm going to write this verse down. I'm going to give it to them, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, 
So we've kind of dealt with that. But look for these, these ways to impress upon them what we're talking about. Have family times, OK? Um, what I'm driving at here when I, when I talk about family times is just the, the whole idea of how are you going to do devotions or family worship or Bible time or whatever you call it, okay? Um, you know, my, my referencing on these things uh, is, is kind of twofold. My wife and I, um, for a lot of the years that our children were growing up, I was a pastor. And so, you know, I had all these night meetings and I wasn't at home for dinner a lot, okay? Um, but we knew the kids were going to go to bed every night. Did they do that at your house? They are going to get in that bed, okay? So we, we were not the brightest bulbs on the planet. We finally realized, hey, they're going to bed every night. Let's cue in on bedtime, okay? So we used bedtime to, to pray and to talk and read the scriptures and memorize the Bible and all those kinds of things. And if we're both there, that's great. If I was doing it, if she was doing it, you know, whatever. You got the idea. It always worked. My parents did that at our evening meal because my dad owned his own business. He locked the door about 5 o'clock. He came home, and my mother had supper on the table like 6 o'clock. I mean, that was just the way life worked for them, okay? And they read the Bible every night at dinner. And guess what? It didn't kill me, okay? I lived to tell about it, okay? Do I remember much of it? No. Did it make a huge impression on me? Yes. Yes. My parents believed what they were reading to us, okay? They showed it. They lived it out, okay? Um, that's how they did it. I don't know what works for you, but do that. You know, another family time that we did we, we, by God's grace, developed when our children were teenagers. This is just a, such a neat story about how the Lord worked. But there, we had, near where we lived, one of these, it was a 1950s drive-in, but it was modern, <laughs> okay? So, and, and there was this little chain of them now around where we lived. They, it's, these, it's called Swenson's. Swenson's had built this business, okay? I mean, you drive in. You back your car into the parking spot, and these guys or gals ran to your car, okay? They took your order. They ran back. The kids thought that was really cool, right? You know? Now they did, and then, then they fix your, they had hamburgers, hot dogs, Coke, you know, milkshakes, that kind of thing. You could picture it, okay? Now, they didn't run back with the food. <laughs> they walked fast with the food. And they hung it on a tray on the car window, okay? Just, yeah, yeah like, like in the 50s, okay? For those of you who weren't born, that's a previous century, you know? <laughs> you know? Back in the old days, okay? But the Swanson, Swenson's, I mean, it's a new modern place. Anyway, they'll be, they'll be here to Little Rock someday, okay? Um, okay, we were there one time with the kids. Now, they were, they were into their teen years. The kids are in the back. My wife and I are in the front. And when we, my wife and I got home, we said, this is unbelievable. The conversation was so good. That was unreal. The way we really engaged with the kids, okay? Well, the next time we went to Swenson's, we noticed the same thing. 
and we got to thinking, I wonder what the dynamic, there's something here. Kids are in the back, parents are in the front. Maybe it's because we're not looking at each other and uh, everybody's talking and we're really teachable, impressionable time with the, children, with the teenage children we had, okay? Well, it got to be the kids would even, they picked up on it. And now they start saying to me, this is, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm picking their, their phrase, Mom and Dad, we need to go to Swenson's and talk. <laughs> Whoa, did our ears perk up. They're getting it. You know, again, nobody ever, we never sat down and planned this. We just realized what was happening, okay? And that became a critical family time for us. So watch out for those kinds of things. If you see that, you know, if, if going to that special place at the park and swinging the kids or some, something you do, it creates an atmosphere that, you know, you can impress things upon the kids, go back to it. Keep doing it, okay? And it got to the point where... When Tim, my, my big son-in-law, big tall Tim guy, when he was courting our daughter, one of the things she said to him is, you gotta go to Swenson's with us. <laughs> my wife and I are just kind of going, this, something was happening there, to the point she wanted her, her boyfriend to become fiance, for him to have that experience, okay? And that dynamic, okay? Big brother was gone, so it was Tim and Beth in the back. <laughs> okay, uh, but you got the idea. So, anyway, look for these impressionable times to impress upon the, the children or adult, young young adults, whatever those kinds of things. All right, now we've covered a lot of ground here, and I appreciate your patience here as we kind of rode fast and stuff. Now, what I want you to do is prayerfully ask the Lord, what are you supposed to get out of tonight? Why are you here? I mean, I hope it was enjoyable. The pizza was nice. I know that. Okay, but what? what can you put a star by it? Something? Or you can, yeah, man, that underline something. Go. That, that, that really that was helpful. That reminded me. You know, I, I we stopped doing that. I need to start that. Or that was a good idea. Or it made me think of this. And maybe I didn't even talk about it. Okay. Anybody have something? Can you put a star by or? think, yeah, that was really helpful. Or, that was a good idea. Or something. Yeah. Later turns into years. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, we can jump start that tonight, tomorrow. And see, really, every day we jumpstart all these things. Okay? We can't reach back and get yesterdays. Okay? We can remember yesterdays and remind ourselves of yesterdays, but you can't make yesterday happen again today. Okay? So every day is a new day in the Lord. Okay? So I appreciate you bringing that up. Anybody else got something to put a star by? 
Made an impression on us. Okay, that's good. That's good. Well, you you be praying and thinking about what what the Lord bring you here for. Okay, and put a little star by it. Pray and work on that one or those one or two things. I've got some useful resources here for you. Let me just show you here on page four. The best book on this that I can encourage you to read your Bible. Once you get a start getting a grip on that, then there's some others here that might be useful. Okay. Um, don't run to the other books necessarily. Look to the Word of God. But a great book, Ted Tripp, Tripp wrote a book called Shepherding a Child's Heart. It's worth the price, the, the, the price of the book to get the title, Shepherding a Child's Heart. I mean, what are we trying to do? We're trying to shepherd that child's heart to Christ, turn their hearts to Christ. The title is just great. Instructing a Child's Heart is a sequel that Ted Tripp and his wife wrote on more how they implemented these things in their home. Okay. Um, then there's another one called Parenting in the Pew by Robbie Castleman. That's a book on helping you know what to do Monday through Saturday so that Sunday is a positive experience at church with your kids. Okay. And again, this is, uh, in, in essence, an account of how Robbie Castleman and her husband did this. You know, they they kind of... I would say practiced for a number of years, and then she wrote the book. <laughs> okay, in a sense, it's this is what we learned. Okay, doing it ourselves. Excellent little book. Um, here's another book called How to Study the the Bible by David and Kay Arthur. That's a son and a mother, um, and it's a it's a great book to help your children know how to study the Bible. Um, so often we say to to people, study your Bible, study your Bible. You know, just study your Bible, but they don't know how. Okay. It's like saying to a child, well, swim, swim. You need to swim, swim. And this child's standing there going, I have no idea how to do that. Okay? And then you throw them in a few times, and they jump back out, and they're scared. Well, that's what happened. People jump in and go, I don't get it. Okay? This will help you deal with that. Age of Opportunity by Paul David Tripp, his brother of Ted, uh, is a book on parenting teens. Okay? So if you're into that stage of things. Table Talk by Ligonier Ministries is a great daily devotional magazine that you can subscribe to to do family devotions if you're looking for something to do. Big Truths for Little Kids uh, by Susan and Richie Hunt. That's a mom and a son again. Uh, it, it takes the first catechism, that's this book here, and has life application stories to it. If you're not familiar with the first catechism, we'll talk about that more maybe tomorrow if we have time. Training Hearts, Teaching Minds by Star Mead. That's a, a daily devotional for you to do as a family that takes you through the entire Westminster Shorter Catechism. Great book. Because it has a little paragraph about like that and a scripture, and you spend the, a week, well, six days, because so, you get a day to skip, <laughs> catch-up day. Okay? Um, and uh, it takes you through all 107 questions and answers, so it takes a little more than two years if you follow it week to week. Great book to do with especially teenage kids or for yourself. Um, and again, this grew out of, of Star Mead and her husband doing this themselves with their own children for a number of years and then finally got, got it perfected enough to publish it. Um, Basics of the Reformed Faith, that's a series of little booklets that's put out by Presbyterian Reformed Publishing. It covers a myriad of topics, 
uh, like heaven, uh, predestination, election, uh, inerrancy. It, and there, it's like a short, there's 5,000 words. Okay, I, I know a couple of the authors. Um, and, and I know that's the word count. They're not allowed to go over 5,000 words. Okay, so it's, a, it's succinct. They're well-written by good authors on a myriad of topics. You can Google that the, or get on the Presbyterian Reform website. Uh, Gospel-Powered Parenting is just a general book on parenting by William Farley. Um, and then the Great Commission Publications, the reason I put that down, those are the handouts your kids get in Sunday school. Okay? Utilize those things. Review them, go over them, ask the kids to see them. You know, that's the purpose of them is to review and reinforce what took place in class as well as as the students get older, they're going to have devotional things that they can start doing on their own. So you can ask them, well, did you do the devotional thing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that kind of stuff. So utilize those things. All right, we're late. Appreciate your patience here and stuff. Let me have a closing prayer. Stick around and talk as long as anybody wants to. And we'll be back in the morning for breakfast. You can come for breakfast even if you don't stay for the teacher training. Nobody will know. <laughs> so let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us to to rehearse so many of these things. And Father, we realize that uh, you have graced us to give us your word, to not leave us to our own devices to try to figure these things out. But I pray, Father, that you would utilize your word in our lives to remind us of how important these things are to you. And we realize, Father, that we can be your agents of grace in the next generation. Pray, Father, we would be faithful to the task. We pray, too, Father, for the enabling of your spirit to do this because we are not able ourselves to make this all happen, but we trust you that you will work in the lives of our children and our grandchildren. Thank you, too, Father, for those that have ministered to us and our parents, other relatives, teachers, pastors, Bible study leaders, camp counselors, whoever. We thank you and praise you, Father, for the grace of the Lord Jesus who ma that makes all of this possible. In his name I pray. Amen.